This podcast is a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Trinity Baptist Church exists to exalt God in worship, to equip disciples, and to evangelize the lost. For more information about our church, just visit our website at trinity3e.org. Now, as your seated congregation, as the choir's making their way down, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 18. Now, if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you or don't have one on your phone, there are hardback copies of the Bible located in the chairs near where you are seated. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible, please feel free to take that copy of God's Word with you as a gift from Trinity. Now, we are in a series about the life of Abraham. Journey of faith, looking at all the ups and downs of Abraham's life and how he and Sarah have been waiting on God to fulfill his promise. We often find ourselves in those situations of waiting, situations that often bring disappointment. And as we look at verses 1 through 15 today, it is my prayer today that we will hear a word from the Lord to meet us in our disappointments and our doubts. Now, these uh, two paragraphs that I'm reading really divide into two parts. So I'm going to give you this overall outline before we read the text. Verses 1 through 8 tell of the theonophic visit God gave to Abraham and the hospitality that Abraham showed to these three visitors. Verses 1 through 8 is really a lesson in hospitality. Then verses 9 through 15 focus like a laser beam upon Sarah and the promise that God made to her. And we're going to see how these two are related and meet me and meet you in the midst of our doubts. All right, let's read the text now. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. Now, let me pause here for just a moment because reading this and what we're about to read reminded me of my mother. Okay. Now, look at what Abraham said, verse 5. While I bring a morsel of bread. All right, morsel of bread. And I'm going to explain how this relates to Imogene Herod in a moment. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. Just a morsel of bread. It's a steak. It's a steak dinner. It reminded me of mom because we'd be coming to visit and she would say, I'll just get a little something. We'll have sandwiches or whatnot. Walk in and there's chicken. and Anyway, I digress. Back to the word of God. <laughs> Verse 8. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. 
the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, Am I worn out and my Lord is old? Shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. May God be glorified in the reading and the hearing of His Word this morning. I really believe that if there are two people in the Bible that need to be given a little bit of slack, it's the wife of Job and Sarah. Now, let me explain why. These two ladies are often looked down upon because they were struggling. For, for Job's wife, she is best known that when Job was praying and going through all the calamity he faced, she is best known for this quote, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, doesn't that bless your heart? And we often look at her and say, wow, Mrs. Job, that's harsh. Now, wait a minute. I want to remind you what she had been through. Not only did she suffer with Job in the loss of house and property, she lost all of her children. That was a woman in grief. We need to give her a little slack. And I think the same is true of Sarah. Sarah is best known for the passage we read here where she laughed to herself and said, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, in other words, she's saying, we're half dead. There's no babies happening now. And she laughed at God. That's what she's best known for. And it's easy for us in our pride to step back and say, oh, 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 Sarah. See, but we know the rest of the story. Sarah's a woman grieving. Now imagine this for a moment. For 25 years, she's been waiting for a baby. 25 years. Can you imagine all the ups and downs in that? That, that moment of maybe anticipation. Am I pregnant? Is this it? False alarm. And then that, that pressure from the society that says your worth as a woman is determined by the number of children you bear. And time after time, Sarah feels disappointment. She feels the sting of criticism like she doesn't measure up. So I say let's give Sarah a little bit of slack because quite frankly, you and I can understand her reaction. Sarah's life to this point had been marked by disappointment. Can I get a witness that disappointment happens in life? Jesus Christ himself once said, in this world you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. He should have well have said, in this world you will have disappointments. Now the truth is, our disappointments cover a wide range of varieties. Have you ever experienced that minor disappointment of planning a vacation? You're going to the beach. You have saved two 
years. You're going to the beach. Going to the beach. Got the sunscreen already on. You get to the beach and Hurricane Ivy is about to hit. Lord, why? All the way to major disappointments. Test results. Come back not the way you expected. You know, in all the ups and downs that my family and I have experienced in the last six years, we still remember two disappointments very, very clearly. When Emma was first in her coma and the doctors didn't know what was going on, we were placed in contact with the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia. The Shepherd Center is one of the most renowned therapeutic hospitals in the nation. They specialize in traumatic brain injuries and spinal cord injuries and have a section that works with patients coming out of comas. We were excited. We thought, okay, all right, Emma's going to recover. We're going to go to the Shepherd Center. We were investigating places we would live. We were planning on how we were going to homeschool our son Samuel in Atlanta. Then the Shepherd Center comes. They evaluate Emma. Mr. Herod, Mrs. Herod, I'm sorry. She's not a candidate for us. You see, to us, that was saying, she's not going to get any better. They even came back another time, six weeks later. Same results. Now, I share that with you because you and I share the common bond of disappointments. There's not a one of us in here that can say we've gotten through life disappointment-free. Anyone? Anyone never had any disappointments? No. How do we handle them? Because there are some disappointments that strike deeply at our soul. We're like Sarah. We begin to doubt God. Lord, when are you going to act? Lord, I know all things work to the good. So what I want us to do is to walk through this passage, the hospitality portion, as well as the words addressed to Sarah, so that we can get a a paradigm, a framework, for how as Christians we can approach disappointment. Because it will occur. Now, as God comes and He is speaking to them, He's actually on His way to Sodom. So next week, we're going to see the word that He speaks to Abraham about the judgment that He's bringing upon Sodom. But before He gets to that, God speaks a word directly to Sarah. This is the third, actually the fourth time that God reaffirms His promise that Abraham and Sarah are going to be the father of many nations. But the ironic thing here is in verse 9. They said to Him, Where is Sarah, your wife? This word is directly addressed to Sarah. This is God meeting Sarah at her point of need, at her doubt, at her disappointment. The Abraham overhears it. He's heard it before. But this time, God is focusing upon Sarah. Could it be that God knew that at this moment, Sarah may be at her lowest? Because notice how it reaffirms in verse 11... The weight that she was feeling. Look how the narrator describes it. Three ways. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. And if that doesn't give you enough picture, they're advanced in years. And then she says, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Womp, womp, womp. Just one after another. This is hopeless. Could it be that at this moment Sarah is thinking, Lord, you've forgotten me. And then God speaks directly to her. Believer, you may feel like at your moment of greatest disappointment, God has forgotten you. 
You may wonder, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know why. I'm tired, oh God. Please remember this, that that feeling of being forgotten is not accurate. God never forgets His children. You are not forgotten by Him, and you are not outside of His grace. There will be in the midst of disappointment a battle that takes place in your mind. Okay, it's going to be, this is spiritual warfare. It's going to be a battle between how you feel and the facts of faith. All right, Lord, I know that I'm loved. That's the fact of faith. But the feeling, Lord, I don't feel loved. That's where we have to combat our feelings with the truth of Scripture and faith. You see, our culture tells us that your feelings are truth. All right? Your feelings are accurate. They're yours after all. But we must understand that even our emotions are tainted by the fall. Emotions are not a good guide to reality or truth. The Scripture and the Scripture alone is truth. So what we need to do is that in the calm times, we need to anchor our souls in the truth of God's Word so when the feelings arise that say, you are forgotten by God, God can't work here, God has abandoned you, we can and face it with the truth of His Word. I am not a rock climber. I know that shocks many of you. I do not climb mountains. You can tell that pretty obviously. But I love reading stories of those. I live vicariously through them. Rock climbers will often, as they are climbing, especially those brave souls that walk that line between being foolhardy and courageous, that climb walls with their bare hands, will drive pittance pins these, these spikes into the mountain and they'll put ropes through them. You know why they do that? So they won't fall. So if they're climbing and they lose their grip, those pittens will catch the rope and they won't fall to their death. There are pittens, P-I-T-O-N-S, that you and I need to drive into our heart to hold us whenever we feel like we're falling. First is Scripture. Let's start there. Get into God's Word. Remember, God is revealing Himself to Sarah, addressing her. You know how He reveals Himself to us? These words. Now, I know, I know that sounds trite. That's what you expect the preacher to say. But sometimes the basics are the basics because they're basic. Yeah. That's the truth. Get the Word in your heart. So that when that feeling comes, you cling to the truth of God's Word. The second thing I would encourage you to do is this. Look through your life and mark those moments where you've seen God work. Every one of us has a story of God's providence. Have you written that down? Made notes? I've seen God do this. And in my disappointment, I saw Him do this. Because remember, our God is not just the God of the past. He is the God of the present and the future. And if we believe that God is alive and He is real and His Spirit is among us, that means, church, He is working among you, within you, and around you, wherever you are, to accomplish His will for His glory. Don't discount what God is doing. Pray that our eyes would be open to see what He is doing. So the first thing we want to do is to know God is addressing us at our point of disappointment. And we want to 
we want to dig down deep with these pittance that will hold us as we fall. Now, second thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Do this in the calm times, all right? Don't wait till the disappointment comes and then try to figure out what to do. The more you can in those calm times, anchor down deep, the stronger you will be. Because there are habits we form in the times of relative calm that will sustain us when the storm breaks. I want you to look back up to chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. Now, we are told from the very beginning that this is the Lord appearing to Abraham. You and I know that. The narrator lets us in on that in verse 1. But remember, Abraham doesn't know that till he meets the strangers. So verse 2, Abraham lifts up his eyes. Behold, there are three men standing in front of him. There's an element in the Hebrew text of surprise here. It's like he didn't see them coming, and then boom, they're there approaching him. Then Abraham does three things that are quite amazing. He ran to them. Verse 2, he ran from the tent door to meet them. Now, the practice of hospitality was common and expected in Abraham's time. But not Abraham running. This is a man approaching a hundred. Patriarchs of the clan do not run. You run to the patriarch. He doesn't run to you. Why does Abraham run to them? The next thing that's a little bit odd is in verse 2. He bows himself. Now this is not just what we would expect in an oriental culture of bowing. That word there is prostrating himself on the ground. It is an act of worship. And then notice in verse 3, he addresses one of them, O Lord. Now we know, the text lets us know that this is God in a pre-incarnate appearance coming to Abraham. It's called a theophany. It's God appearing in some physical form to accomplish his will. So Abraham recognizes this stranger. And my question is, how? Now we can step back and say, well, supernaturally. And I, I couldn't argue with that. He knew the Spirit working. God, uh, God showed that to Abraham. But I cannot help but wonder if Abraham was familiar with God to the point that when he saw this figure coming, that familiarity led him to know who it is. Remember in James chapter 2, Abraham, among anyone else in the Scriptures, referred to as a friend of God. Think about the familiarity that you have with your close friends. How well you know them. You know their walk. You know their talk. There was a familiarity that God had, that Abraham had with God, that when God appeared, Abraham knew it. Does that familiarity describe you? It can. The same God at work in Abraham is at work within us. It is training our eyes, saying, Lord, open my eyes to see you, to recognize where you are at work, to recognize the things we believe are coincidence or not coincidence. The things that we look at and say, wow, that's amazing, are actually God's hand at work. Because when God gives us eyes like that, we don't look at the world the same. A few years ago, I read the story of the attempted assassination attempt on President Reagan, a book called Rawhide Down. The lead um, Secret Service agent over Ronald Reagan's entourage was Jerry Parr. He was a believer, by the way, passed away a few years ago. Reading his account of that was amazing. But what cracked me up was him describing his retirement years. He said, as a Secret Servant Service agent, you are trained... To always be looking for the thing that doesn't fit. All right? Simple illustration. 
Say the president is making an appearance on the 4th of July. As a Secret Service agent, you're walking next to him and you're looking around. Why is that person wearing a winter coat in July? Okay. Jerry Parr said, here's the problem with that. He said, I'm retired. I'm at the supermarket walking down the canned goods and I'm looking around thinking, why are those peas in with the corn? Why is that okra there? He said, I can't stop it. I can't stop noticing things that don't belong because I have been trained to look at that. We live in an age of distraction. We are so spread out with our minds, hit by so much. I'm afraid we're losing the discernment to see God's hand at work. And church, that's where we come back and say, Lord, give me eyes to see. Let me hone my walk with you so that in times of familiarity, in times of peace, I will recognize your hand. That's what happened with Abraham. So we remember, okay, as we walk through this dealing with disappointment, first thing Dig deep with anchors, scripture, and what God has done. Pray for me for familiarity in the quiet times to recognize God's hand when the disappointment comes. Third thing is this. In that disappointment, keep doing what you know you should do. Now, that seems pretty simplistic, doesn't it? But in the midst of disappointment, and especially prolonged disappointment, there's a temptation to withdraw because it hurts. To interact with others hurts. So we find ourselves withdrawing. But notice in verses 4 through 8 what Abraham and Sarah are doing. They are practicing the hospitality that they know they should do. Even in the midst of hurt. Even when it was inconvenient. Notice how this comes about in verse, or verse 4. I'm sorry, looking back up. Notice that it's inconvenient because in verse 1, he's at this door of his tent. Abraham is at the heat of the day. See, they weren't dummies. They would get up early and work, then about noon kind of call it quits, take a siesta, which there could be biblical precedent for naps. Just think about that. So here in the heat of the day, he sees these strangers coming. So it's inconvenient, but he gets up. And then he shows an extravagant love. As I pointed out a moment ago, I, I love the irony. Let a little water be brought. Let's get a little more celebrated. Hey, kill the calf. Make those steaks on. They were doing what they knew to do. And by the way, church, we are called to be a hospitable people. We are. Romans 12, 13 said, seek to show hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect to show hospitality. You know why? Because sometimes people have entertained angels without even knowing it. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do what you know you should do. That's where Abraham and Sarah are. Even when Sarah is hurting, she still serves. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes it's easy to begin doing that without addressing the pain in our heart. You see, in what I'm saying, in no way does it try to negate or deny the pain of disappointment. It's only in recognizing that that true healing can occur. You know why Sarah was reprimanded in verse 15? She denied it. She wasn't upfront and honest about it. The Lord knew her heart, but she says, you laughed. And she says, no, 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 I didn't. And God says, yes, you did. 
You see, Sarah's problem was that she had repressed the disappointment and she let the activity, the right thing to do, cover up the pain that she was feeling. And that's why God speaks to us in our hardest times to remind us that nothing is too hard for Him. See, my final thing, my final word of encouragement to you is this. Never stop hoping. You see, it is so easy for our hearts to become cynical. We live in a cynical world. Believers, we are called to be light in that world. And if people look at our hope and they say that is a naive hope, we go back to the gospel. We say, I have hope because Jesus conquered death. And what that means is that even when our disappointment is about the loss of someone we love, if they are in Christ, we have hope that we are simply separated for a while. We have hope in knowing that if God says no to something, it's because He is at work for something else on down the line. I shared with you our disappointment about the Shepherd Center. It hurt. It hurt. But we look back now and we can honestly say, Emma was not ready at that time. She has improved more than any doctor ever thought she would. And so we keep looking to the future to see what God is going to do. We refuse to let disappointment define us and determine our attitudes. We choose to let our attitudes be determined by the Holy Spirit and the hope of the gospel. That's church where, amen, praise God. I encourage you to do the same. Do the same. Don't deny disappointment. Remember, Sarah denied it. Not good. But to anchor deep in God's Word. To remember what He's done. Pray for eyes to see Him at work. And then hold on to hope. And to know that when you can't, there are others holding on for you. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. You're not alone. You are not alone. You may want to underline that verse, verse 14, is anything too hard for God? Anything? Is anything too hard for God? Amen. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Remember that. And trust His timing and His work for His glory. Would you bow with me in prayer right now? Father, You are great beyond all measure. And Lord, it humbles us when we recognize we see but a small part of your plan. So Lord, I pray that for that one that is discouraged today, the one that is struggling, they would be renewed this morning with the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, O oh Lord, that for that one that is facing that battle between feelings and the truth of Scripture, that you would let their feelings be determined by the Scripture. And Father, for the one that is carrying disappointment and feels burdened and ashamed, Lord, I pray that you would alleviate that shame and let them know that they are with brothers and sisters who love them and are in no way looking down because, Father, we all know this, the pain of this world. We know the sting of expectations unmet. But God, we praise you. There is nothing too hard for you. Father, grant us renewed hope and eyes to see your hand at work. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.